0: Okay, indulge me just for a second. Uh, Imagine that you are asked to be the best man at a wedding of one of your great friends. And you know that it's going to be part of your job at the rehearsal dinner to give a toast, to say a few words about the couple. And of course, you want to tell a few jokes, cleverly crafted jokes to kind of lighten the mood. And you want to talk about your hopes and your dreams for their future together. And all those words that you say are supposed to be about them. They're not about you. This is not your testimony about yourself, it's about them. But consider for a moment that you are a bad best man. You are a self-interested jerk. And instead of taking on a humble, proper attitude during this, this rehearsal dinner, you go on and on about your great achievements and your lifelong goals, and what an ambitious person you are, And goodness knows, I've got a prestigious degree, much more so than this groom right here. I've got a fabulous job, and I'm a great-looking guy. If anybody deserves this beautiful woman tomorrow, it's me and not this guy. Wouldn't go over too well, would it? Would it? You know, the best man's place is always to, to draw attention not to himself, but to prepare the way for something extraordinary to happen. For that special day between that man and that woman, that bride and that groom, it's their day, it's not his day. And he gets to play a minor role in proclaiming their future happiness. And I say that because that's what John does. There's a wedding today in John's Gospel in chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, turned there, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. We're in chapter 3, and it talks about Jesus being the bridegroom of the church. Verse 29, it's clear that Jesus is the bridegroom and his he washes his bride pure and clean by the blood of the lamb that he sheds for them. We're the saints. We're the ones who are the bride of Jesus Christ, the bridegroom of the church. And it's clear in that same chapter 3 that John is taking the place of the best man, the best friend at the wedding. And he is full of holy ambition. Not for himself, but for the bride and the bridegroom. Look at verse 30. Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. That's holy ambition. Not personal ambition, self-interested, but it's holy ambition for the good of Jesus and his bride. And there are three attitudes that lead John to embrace this position of holy ambition. Three S's to help you remember. First of all, submission. He submits to Christ Jesus and his authority. Secondly is sovereignty. He understands God is sovereign in his life. And thirdly, salvation. He knows knows that salvation belongs to the Lamb, the bridegroom of the church. So first of all, let me just say, if anybody in the entire Bible had a reason to have personal ambition and the spotlight shined on him, it would have been John the baptizer. I say this because... Isaiah chapter 40 speaks of John 700 years before John ever came on the scene. That's how important he was. He was prophesied by Isaiah 43, and it says, Indeed, I'm sending one to prepare the way in the wilderness, to make level a desert highway for our God to arrive. It's not about him, but he's pretty important. Malachi, also the prophet said, Behold, God said, I'm sending my messenger John. He didn't use the word John, but it's John. And he will prepare the way before me. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. If anybody had a reason for personal ambition and fame, it would have been John. But we know that that's not the case, right? He had holy ambition. Even though in Matthew eleven eleven, Jesus says that truly I say to you, No man born of woman is greater than John the Baptist. He's the greatest man that ever lived. And yet he embraced holy ambition, not personal ambition. He knew who he was. He knew he was sent to to baptize and preach for the repentance of sin to prepare that highway for the Lord's coming. So we see holy ambition today. We also see two controversies. I want you to look at verse 25. Here's the first of two controversies. Now, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. Now, what's that about? Well, it's basically, how do you get right with God? How do you stand before a pure, righteous, and holy God when it's your time for judgment day to come? How do you come into God's presence? And the question is, is John's baptism enough? Remember, he's baptizing for the repentance of sins. It seems to be a good thing. Is John's work of salvation enough for purification is the question. Second controversy, look at verse 26. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, these are John's disciples. He who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing now. And they're all going to him. Think about that. Jesus' ministry is eclipsing John's. Those disciples are saying, John, you really need to step your preaching game up a little bit. Our ministry's losing steam here. They're all going over to Jesus. Our church membership is down. They're going to Jesus. That rabbi, younger cousin of yours, they're all going to him. Friends, that kind of talk goes on. I hate to say it, even with clergy sometimes. Um, That sort of... Uh, personal uh, ambition. You'll go to a clergy conference sometimes and uh, somebody will ask you, how is your church doing? And you know what they're actually asking is, how is your average Sunday attendance doing? Uh, are you a growing church? Are you? Do you have a big budget? How's the money coming in? Are you successful and influential? Are you ambitious for personal gain and making sure that you grow your church. Of course, we're not supposed to do that, but that's exactly what they're asking. This rabbi Jesus, the one to whom you bore witness, he's taken all of our church members. You know, even St. Paul dealt with that. Don't you remember the personal ambition? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says that jealousy and strife had come among the Corinthians. And he said, "When you, are you not of the flesh, of the flesh, of personal ambition, and behaving in a human way when somebody in the congregation says, I follow Paul, or another person in the congregation says, I follow Apollos, are you not merely being human, Paul says, are you not merely focusing on your flesh? He says, what then is Apollos? Who then is Paul? We're all just servants through whom you believed, and the Lord has assigned each of you to us. Apollos watered, God gave the growth. I planted, but God gave the growth. Holy ambition, not personal ambition, holy ambition. Paul got it right. John gets it right today. John gets the fact that he is not to be center stage, that that's the place of Jesus. He is not the protagonist in the story. He's a minor character pointing to Jesus. He's just a a backup singer. He's not singing lead but he's calling people to listen to the voice of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John, who wrote this gospel, was called John the Beloved, and he opened up his gospel in chapter 1 with these words. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness to the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light, who is, of course, Jesus The true light, Jesus, which gives light to everyone, was coming to the world. He was not the light. He came to bear witness to the light. John had holy ambition. He was more than willing to give up his sheep so that Jesus could have more followers. He was more than willing for the fame to go to Jesus rather than him. He was more than willing to have the honor and the glory go to Jesus rather than him. He had holy ambition. Three things led to that for John. One is submission. Look at verse 28. He says, You yourselves bear, bear, bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. I'm not the Christ. He's saying, I'm not the Savior. And I believe that some of us, from time to time, I know I do it sometimes, you want to be the Savior. You want to make things right and circumstances turn out exactly as you wish them to be. And you want to take somebody and lead them to where you think they ought to be. He's saying, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Savior. I know some people will come to me for marriage counseling. Their marriage is on the rocks. Or maybe their adult children aren't going to church and they're not taking the grandkids to church. Or maybe they've had somebody hurt them and they're dealing with forgiveness issues and and they want me to fix it. And when I was a young clergy, I really had angst over that because I wanted to fix it. And then I realized, I can't fix it. I can take him to Jesus, but he can fix it. But I can't, And and I'm not supposed to. I can take you to Jesus, but I'm not the Christ, John says. He lowered himself and submitted himself under the salvation of Jesus. Verse 30, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. I am not the Christ. Secondly, sovereignty, look at this, holy ambition comes from a rock solid belief that God is sovereign and in control over all things. When we get that in our hearts, and our minds, then you can stop putting pressure on yourself to try and control your life. You can give it up and give it over to God. Those disciples came up and said, John, we got troubles, all the parishioners are going off to Jesus. Look at how John replies in verse 27. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. All things under the control and sovereignty of God. God is doing this thing. It's not about me, John says. God is bringing fame to Jesus. It's not about me. God is working out the plan of salvation. It's not about me. I'm just like a best man at a wedding feast for the bride and the bridegroom. Simply to encourage and make the way straight for the bridegroom to do his work. In verse 29, it says this, The friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, John says, this joy of mine is now complete. Complete. God is working. Man, I just get to be the best man at the best wedding ever. This wedding is taking place, and John's saying, My joy is now the groom's joy. My delight is in his work. My satisfaction and joy are complete in him, Christ Jesus. What about you? Do you have a sense that God is sovereign and in control, even in the messiest parts of your life, even when things seem to be spinning out of control, that God is working a plan for the good? Romans eight twenty eight says, For we know that those who love God all things are working together for the good, for those who are called according to his purposes. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God has plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Holy ambition comes from three things. It comes from God's sovereign control, our submission to Christ, and a belief in salvation. It's coming from Christ alone. I hadn't seen the movie yet, but I've heard it was good, the, the Mr. Rogers movie. Now you guys know that he was a, a kind, warm, loving, gentle guy. He had a lot of reasons for personal ambition. He had uh, achieved a lot in his life. And he had a question at the end of his life. He asked his wife before he died, "Am I a sheep?" Of course he's referring to that parable that Jesus taught about the last day, the coming judgment. Well, some will be sheep and some will be goats. He said, am I a sheep? Underneath that question is, have I done enough to be with Jesus? It goes back to that question of purification. How do I get right with God? Am I a sheep? Verse 25, it says, a discussion rose amongst John's disciples and the Jews over purification. John knew where it came from. John knew where righteousness comes from. John knew where peace with God comes from. Remember first chapter of John's Gospel? Jesus is coming across the desert. John is baptizing people for the repentance of sin to be made right with God. And yet he sees his cousin and he looks at Jesus. And remember what he said? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he that I told you about. He who comes after me is actually before me, and this is the Son of God, and I bear witness to him. John knew where salvation was. He, cu- he embraced holy ambition for Christ alone, so he knew that his accomplishments were not enough. His baptism was not enough. It was Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. So, how about you? Have you embraced holy ambition Or are you still pursuing personal ambition that draws attention to yourself? I hope that in this Advent season we can be a whole lot more like John, who simply saw himself as the best man at the greatest wedding that ever has been. That all the attention, the honor, the glory, and the focus would be on the bridegroom and his bride, and that he would lift up and exalt Jesus every day of his life. Isn't that what we're to be about in the church? Submission, sovereignty, salvation in Christ— Just being the best man at the greatest wedding feast ever, John said, I must decrease so that he can increase. I am not the light. I came to bear witness to the light. And when I do that, my joy is complete. Thanks be to God.